Smith will keep it. He dies for the end zone. He's got a touchdown. Kansas City in one of the greatest comebacks in Chiefs kingdom history. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Car out of the shotgun. Looks left. Throws a lob for Michael Crabtree. Caught it. He caught it. He caught it. The Raiders have the lead. <laughs> It's the T.C. Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I needed that. Starting to feel like football now. That was a good start. That was a good start. We're going to finish for you, all right? The doctor is now in. And a good Friday afternoon to you, and welcome to the Superbook, the world-famous Superbook here at the Westgate Las Vegas, the T.C. Martin Show, of course, live each and every weekday from 2 to 4 p.m., but our Friday home is here at the world-famous Superbook, the largest sportsbook in the world at the Westgate Las Vegas. So glad to be here. Took last week off, actually, as I was in Connecticut getting ready for the Las Vegas Aces and the Connecticut Sun, the WNBA Finals, which, of course, the Aces ended up winning the WNBA championship and a great time in the parade, as we know, on Tuesday. So uh, the WNBA season behind us. The Aces have Las Vegas' very first ever professional sports championship a great time and while i was gone i had the, the the privilege to have some great guests regular guests on the show fill in for me and take over as host and one of those gentlemen is here in the house with us today and that is the welterweight champion of the world the two-time welterweight champion of the world uh one of the greatest boxers ever and of course one of our very good friends my personal friend showtime sean porter is in the house with us here at the Westgate. Showtime, what is happening? Oh, you know, just doing radio things. I <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> now he's all comfortable and everything. Yeah. He had, he's had all these years of, of being the guest. And, of yeah. course, you know, he has his Porterway podcast, which is fantastic. But I asked the brother to sit in for me while I'm gone. And, now, I mean, he took it so seriously, too. And then he did the job, and now he's going like, okay, I got a little taste of that. I got no more edge. Give me some more. I've had edge forever. <laughs> you never knew it. I was sweating bullets anytime I was on the radio with you. Nowadays, yeah. I got nothing. That's why you just come on, kick back and everything. Look, yeah. you're just relaxing no, now. Noomchuck tell you I showed up with a suit. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Oh, you saw it? You showed me pictures. Yeah, yeah. showed up in a suit. Yeah, you showed up in a suit. I, 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 I told <laughs> Noomchuck, I said, does Sean know this? Is it television? Yeah. This is radio. Yeah. I had to do it. I don't know. It felt right. I'm glad you did it. It just shows me how serious that you took the assignment. Sure. It, I mean, that's what it was. It was an assignment. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I, I went to school, you know, yeah. very quickly and then came in there ready to do the job. Mm -hmm. I, I felt like I did a good job. I didn't look at any comments or anything like that. But mm -hmm. I just told everybody, hey, if you want me back, tell TC to, you know, put me on payroll and, and I'll be around. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how would you grade yourself for doing the show last week? A. Really? I'm a, That's good. And I'm a hard critic. I know you are. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, no, Chuck, what would be the grade for Showtime, Sean P? With a sound effect. With a sound effect. <laughs> no, 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 no. Easy A, B. Yeah. Easy A, B. And I was going to say A minus. Okay. Because I, I felt like I was a little too relaxed in the, in the, and not professional enough okay. for, for radio. 
So did you get feedback from uh, no. any friends, get any feedback posse? From nobody. Really? Nobody said anything. <laughs> so it's all on me. It's all on I got to correct my own errors. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't give me anything. <laughs> to be honest with you, I, ha- I haven't listened back yet. You've been busy. I have been busy. You've been just having got fun, back. man. I- I've been having fun, but you know how it is. It's work too. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But this is our passion. Yeah. You know what? Whatever it is. Yeah. It's and and you've been in the broadcasting game now for 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 quite some time, and you know how it is. It's just it's it's busy. Even when you're fighting, you're you're boxing, your yeah. professionalism. Yeah. It, it is your passion, and you have fun doing it, or else we wouldn't do it, right? I did your show, and I dropped my kids off at school in that daycare, and then for a good three hours, it was just making sure I was prepared to do your show and making sure that I was ready for the ins and the outs and all those different types of things. And having never done any of that stuff before, I said, you know what, man, I did. I did. I was at a solid day at work today and had some fun. There you go. It's so good to hear. Yeah, it was a good time. And I do appreciate you. Like I said, I appreciate you uh, stepping a little bit out of your comfort zone. But that's why when we talked about it before, I I didn't even think twice about it. I knew you'd be successful because, again, you've done TV. You've, you've been on with me, as we see in that number two chair, yeah. for, for many, many years yeah. and, and that sort of thing on and off. Yeah. And uh, you host you know, your own podcast. And you have to be the lead in that number one in your podcast. Yeah, yeah. So there are, to me, I was thinking, there's a lot of similarities. Sean's going to pick it up big time. Yeah, a lot of similarities. Just a few subtle differences yeah. like, you know, commercial and being yeah. aware of the time and things of that nature. But yeah. outside of that, I had, a, I had a great guy come on. Shout out to TQ. He had a, mm-hmm. we, we had a great time. He, he knew a lot about Las Vegas sports. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know, I can't do a Las Vegas radio show and I don't have anything to offer. I can offer Cleveland sports. Yeah. <laughs> and I can offer, offer sports in general. But right. when it comes to talking to the Aces, congratulations to them. Congratulations to you being in the, in the, in the parade and all that good stuff, man, going out there in Connecticut and just getting the job done. Those were like the little things that I really wasn't quite prepared for. So I had TQ come in, and he mm-hmm. did a great job with me. Good. Again, yeah. uh, appreciate it. So Sean filled in while I was gone, Al Bernstein as well, Stevie Slapshot. And, uh, and, and others, so uh, Ken Thompson as well, too. So all you guys uh, really appreciate that. All right, man. So uh, while you were away, while I was away, I was really bummed because, if, as you know, no different than, like, say, an NBA Finals or Major League Baseball World Series, a lot of times you never know, you know, you don't know how long the series is going to go. Yeah. So I really wanted to go see the Canelo Triple G fight. Uh-huh. And, of course, I had my media credential and those guys were so cool. They understood where I was at. And I said, I don't want to take up a seat if I'm not going to be there. They go, we got you. Just just let us know as soon as you can. So the Aces won the first two games and the best three out of five. And then we go back to Connecticut for game three. So if the Aces would have won game three, they would have swept. Right. That was last Thursday. Right. And I was going to hop on a plane. I was going to come back for the fight. Right and I, and I was really looking forward to it. Yeah. And uh, so, of course, the Aces lost in game three. So I had to stay till Sunday to game four. Sure. And so I didn't even get a chance to see the fight. Oh, you haven't seen the fight? I haven't even seen it with, you know, being back there and everything and and didn't get a chance to record it because, again, didn't know what the situation was going to be. So you were there. You were actually part of the broadcast on DAZN as well, too. So I want to talk to you about all of that from the broadcasting perspective as well as just the fight perspective. And you and I have talked Canelo Triple G the first two renditions before you and I actually watched the second fight actually side by side together right so how was it in your opinion this fight we both thought Canelo was going to win the fight 
but give me your synopsis now. Yeah, it was very underwhelming. It was um, it was supposed to be a blockbuster trilogy fight that ended up in a lot of ways tanking. Um, neither fighter really had enough to offer the audience, offer the boxing world to get us excited. You know, um, there were just a couple of spurts throughout the entire fight where Canelo took control. And as I assumed, he was going to take control from the beginning of the bell, and it wasn't going to go the distance. He takes control at the beginning of the, of the bell, but then he just has these, these little lulls of almost nothing. And then the crazy thing about that is Triple G didn't have any response at all, all the way up until about the seventh or eighth round. Canelo, surprisingly to me at least, and I'm very disappointed in this, he gasses out. Hmm. There's the conditioning is a big That's two fights in a row. That's a for, big factor right? for 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 Canelo. He, he did that against Bivol too. And so and so here, just to talk about that, just for yeah. a second, you talk about pound for pound, and they have the rankings. Even though all these fighters are kind of all over the place, you got a lightweight in the pound for pound, top five, top ten. You got a you got a super middleweight and a couple of welterweights, so on and so forth. But the reason it's kind of it's it's selective and it's kind of the fantasy pickings is because it virtually cannot be done and so you got a guy here in Canelo who's trying to conquer divisions and become the the literal pound for pound king and I think he's probably damaged his body in some ways trying to do that with going up in weight down in weight and things of that nature I think that the muscle memory isn't there for him right now and I think that it's starting to backfire on him and and fights you know so we see a a a struggle against uh, Dimitri Bivol, and then you you don't see a struggle against Canelo, against Triple G, but you just see you don't see the Canelo you expect to see mm -hmm. against basically anybody in the world, you know. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side of that, you got a 40 year old man who Triple G. We have talked so much about that 40 years old, and is it going to show up? And how 40 is he really? He's not a heavyweight 40. Mm -hmm. He is a middleweight 40. That is a true 40-year-old man that just doesn't have the timing anymore, doesn't really have the power anymore, doesn't have the, the ability to have a high work rate against Canelo, the way they did those first two fights toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't have that anymore. So, I mean, I could be a little harder on this fight than... than most people would, would would appreciate or expect, but I just expected fireworks, and when you don't get that, it truly is a letdown. So a lot to hit on there, and bring up some great points. It has been a long time since fights two and three for various reasons. Yeah. And we had talked about before, like, okay, do we or the public, do we really want to see a third Canelo Triple G fight? And, you know, for me, it was like I love watching Canelo fight, He's basically cleaned up every division he's been in. Now yeah. he went up too high, even yeah. though he fought at 175 before and he beat Sergey Kovalev. Right. But then Bivol it surprised a lot of people that he lost that fight. So now he comes back down to fight Triple G at 168. But didn't it have the feeling to you, kind of like Mayweather and Pacquiao, five years removed, yeah. Yeah. that were this was, I guess what, three years removed, yeah. that A, we kind of lost a little bit of the luster and then you add the, the age factor in with Triple G. Should we be surprised that there were lack of fireworks? No, you shouldn't be surprised. And I, I actually was just, I was surprised that Canelo, he, he had been saying the entire promotion, I'm going to knock him out. I'm going to go right after him and I'm going to knock him out. And so, you know, Canelo has 
he's shown and proved. You know, he hasn't been somebody that just talks a big game and then doesn't go out there and perform. He's performed time and time again. So I say, yeah, but with with the kind of excuse me, with the kind of intensity that Canelo has, the kind of anger and and angst that these have these guys have for one another. This isn't going to be the back and forth. That's the first two words. This is going to be Canelo from beginning, and it's going to be a short fight. And it, it just ended up not being that way. And it, I think that you take a look at what happened or did not happen against against Pacquiao and Mayweather, and you say, yes, the exact same thing where guys have gotten a little older, guys have had some experiences or lack thereof, and they just aren't in a place that they were three years ago when they fought. They were in a place of hunger, in a place of trying to prove that they were the guy at 160, and then the guy, and then Canelo goes on to have, what, eight amazing fights, seven at least amazing fights, and it's like he just is not, has doesn't have the hunger to beat Triple G the way he once did, and then Triple G, I just, honestly, I think that his age just is the contributing, the, the factor there, along with the fact that he's been so inactive, uh, even though he's had a few fights in between, but not against the level of competition. Not of against Canelo. the level of competition, and mm -hmm. you just you can only get the fire, your blood boiling so high in training. You have to be in, in fight mode mm -hmm. in order to be ready for a big fight against Canelo. And I don't think Triple G visited fight mode enough mm -hmm. before this this trilogy fight. You mentioned you know Canelo on that that great win streak that he had after the loss to Mayweather, where again during that point in time. He was in his mid to late 20s, and he was at the peak of his game. He was hungry, like he said, and he's really has cleaned out the, the divisions. How much do you think that Canelo, like you said, I don't want to say he's gotten bored with it, but is, that we've seen probably the best of Canelo in the rearview mirror? I kind of feel like we have, and I, I, I hate to kind of put that on him, and you know, but I saw a uh, quote the other day, and I, maybe I read into it a little much, but it, I think the quote said something, and I, I'm paraphrasing, but it says something along the lines of, I'm okay or I'm, or I'm good with continuing to make history. And it was almost as if, as long as I get in the ring and win, I'm going to be a part of history. And it seemed like it's not about these amazing performances anymore. I could be reading it to it, but that's kind of the feeling that I got. So, yeah, I mean, when you just – when you don't have the hunger or when you – when there's nothing that is uh, making you lip, lick your chops enough to really get excited for something, how well are you going to do, you know? Let me ask you this. You were fortunate enough to basically keep your weight – at the same, as far as your fighting weight. You yeah. didn't you jump up weight classes like we've seen so many other fighters because of either age or, like Canelo says, when you say, I'm going to continue to make history, you know what that tells me in my mind is like, okay, I want to continue to fight and make history at different weight classes. And that's not always the best idea. We've seen guys like Roy Jones Jr. in the past. Yeah. I mean, so many other fighters, Oscar De La Hoya, whether they couldn't make weight or they just felt like, hey, you know, I want to be a three or four weight division sure. champion. Sure. And that it doesn't always work out. So with Bernard Hopkins as well, too. So yeah. where do you think that is factoring in with Canelo? My dad always told me, he said, uh, the mind controls everything. And, I mean, we really, we worked this thing to where my mind literally was controlling my weight loss. 
uh, coach comes in the room and says, hey, man, we got two pounds to lose. The weigh-in's tomorrow. I'm like, coach, I'm just chilling. I'm, I'm going to get it off with my mind. I wake up the next day, and I have one pound to lose. I didn't move at all. How tough was it for you to lose that weight, and especially in your last four or five fights? Last, it, I mean, it got a little tougher, you know, but it was, it was always kind of a, a – more of a mental struggle than it was a physical struggle. Mm -hmm. Once the mental thing got, became strong, then, then the weight wasn't a problem pretty much at all, you know. But I digress. When the, when the mind controls everything, the mind is telling Canelo, I'm going to go up to 175, I'm going to go down to 168, I'm going to go down to 160. Guess what? That's controlling the body, but the body has to catch up to the mind. So you go up to 75, the body's still adjusting, even though it's 168. It's got to adjust to 75. Once it starts adjusting, you go back down, and it's like yeah. it's like you're tricking the body, and you're not giving the body time to recuperate. You're not giving the body time to heal, and you're really not giving the body time to adjust and acclimate to wherever you want to perform. Showtime, Sean Porter. I'm smart, y'all. You are smart. <laughs> he's smart. He's educated. He's he's dedicated. There's yeah. no doubt about it. No matter what he does. And I have no clue if anything of that is right, everything. by the way. I don't know if anything any of that is right, by the way. But I think it is. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, no, man. It, it's Pretty sure it is. It, it, the the two-time welterweight champion in the house with us here today at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the Superbook. You were fortunate enough to be in a weight division that was stacked at yeah. welterweight at 147. So yeah. let me ask you this, because I, I find this conversation fascinating about fighters, what motivates them to continue, even though you, you guys have made millions upon millions of dollars, yeah. like Canelo Alvarez, like, okay, where, where is the motivation? So did you consider, because you're a strong guy and a big guy, and yeah. I know a lot of people thought, okay, well, Sean could probably move up to 154 and still be successful. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you considered, or did you say, I don't need to do that because there are so many big money championship fights, guys in your own division at 147 that have the different belts that you didn't need to do it? Let me see, because this is funny. Um, along the way, making the way, it was always kind of a mental uh, fight for me. And I would get, you know, within five pounds of my weight, and I, and I would be a week away from the fight, and I'm thinking to myself, why am I doing this? Why am I going down to 147? This is the last time I do this. <laughs> I had, and, you know, I had these mental fights with myself all the time, and then I would get on the weight, on the scale, weigh-in day, and I'm like, man, I look great. I feel great. It wasn't that bad, you know? So I had to have experiences for me to kind of overcome the battle that I was having mentally with making 147 pounds. But, yeah, I mean, that was our – the whole purpose for us moving to 147, we knew that it would be big fight after big fight after big fight, and it would lead to big money nights and big and, and big audiences that I could that I could fight in front of. At 154, it just wasn't the same. Now, as I got to the end of my career, it was a funny thing because I wanted to move up to, move up to 154, but there were just some key uh, key opponents right there at 47. It's like, hey, you got to get those guys. Mm -hmm. And then it was like. My goals were never to be a multi-division world champion. And my goals were never to be in boxing for years upon years upon years. Uh, the goal when we turned pro was to, was to retire uh, when I turned 30. I spent four extra years in this bad boy <laughs> than I had expected to. You know, So at the end, it was a little tricky thing where I could move up to 54, but that's really not my goal. Those guys are still there. Let me get the money, and then yeah. let me get out of there. You yeah. know, So that's how it ended up being for me. Okay. You probably won't say this, but I'm going to say it. Um, the reason you hung on, in my opinion, 
uh, you know, four years past 30s because you didn't get a lot of those fights. And yeah. there was a period in, in your career where you were inactive. Yeah. No fault of your own because yeah. I know you. Yeah. You wanted to fight. Yeah. And because of the business of boxing, and that's the detriment with a lot of fans sure. is that we don't get those, those great fights. Sure. And now we can look back. And in retrospect, I mean, seriously, sure. how frustrating <laughs> was that for you? Because sometimes you would go a year and a half or two years without fighting. It's very and you're at frustrating. Your peak. It's very frustrating. You got a guy right now by the name of Bam Rodriguez. He's fighting at 115. And um, he fought, he's fought, I think, four times in the last 11 months. So he's had quite a few fights in the last year. But the thing you see with him is in his last fight, he struggled with a, with a very good professional uh, fighter who's got a lot of experience. He struggled with this guy. And he came up pretty close to losing this fight. You could see that 11, or excuse me, four fights in 11 months had kind of taken its toll on his body. So it's a funny thing where you need enough rest, but you still need to be seen and you still want to have experiences and get paid and all these different types of things. So, I mean, it's, it's this balancing act in boxing that I don't think any other sport has, man. It's a very uh, intricate sport to try to uh, perform in, survive in, uh, train for. I mean, you, you're training and you're sparring, you get a cut and it takes you out of the fight, you know? So, I mean, there's, there's so many components Opponents to this bad boy, man, and I'm I'm happy that it ended up. The timing ended up being the way that it was. Even though in the moments that I was only having one fight in 365 days, mm. it was it was it was a, a hard pill to swallow. But honestly, TC, man, I'm sitting next to you right now, and I'm very happy yeah. with my life. Every I'm happy with with my legacy and everything that I did in the ring. Yeah, as you should be, my friend. Yeah, thank you. You know, and let's let's say this: you came out with all your faculties. And with so many other boxers, as we know, that is not the case. Sure. And a lot of guys, you know, hang on too long. But in your last fight against Terrence Crawford, which was here in Las Vegas, you gave a, a great account of, of yourself. And, again, if not for maybe one knockdown, it's a different story. Sure. And you could still be training for another fight or would have had another fight already by this time. I, I kind of knew that that was going to happen. I right? expected to be him. And I expected the questions to be, what are you going to do now? Are you going to move up? Are you going to still fight? Da, 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 da. Who's next? And I was so prepared to say, no, I, I beat him. I'm done. Mm -hmm. You know, but people really wouldn't be receptive to me beating Terrence Crawford, not giving him a rematch. Beating Terrence Crawford, not going back and fighting Errol Spence yeah. again. You know, so I knew with all that happening, I knew that I still was going to retire. But I think I'd be still fighting some battles now yeah. had I had that fight gone differently. Because you were so adamant that 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 was that was going to be your last ring walk. Yeah, yeah. That, you were adamant about that. Yeah, yeah. And that's that. You, do you know who Naturally Seven is? It's a music group. It's, so it's an acapella group. They do all of the music okay. with their with yeah. their voices yeah. and all that kind of stuff. The plan was to have them walk me to the stage okay. or to the to the ring. Okay. I just got a, received a text from them like three or four days ago. From way back then, I had never heard from them. And uh, I was told them, I said, yeah, I, I wanted to use you guys for my last ring walk. And the guy said, when I saw your message, we saw it late. I knew that's what it was, and my uh, stomach dropped, you know. So, um, yeah, man, I was working on some big things to make that the last best walk I'd ever had. <laughs> yeah. That, that is too too funny. That's, that's great. Well, there you go, man. Maybe I'll, I'll send you some Naturally 7. I, I like that. Yeah. I know. And they're coming the, into town in a few weeks. Maybe yeah. I'll, maybe I'll take you. I would like that. I would like that because my, my daughter has raved about the, 
why am I, I'm, I'm, I'm spacing the other group that is very similar to that, that's been around okay. uh, for such a long time, okay. the exact same thing. Why, Nunchup, help, help me out. Now I feel terrible that I, that I uh, set the, not, not. Uh, it's not earth, something. wind, and fire? No, 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 it's like, <laughs> I want to say technique, Delph the phonics, something like that. Uh -huh. I'm not going, I'm not going old school, uh, Delphonics, but I'm talking, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm talking about? Right. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, oh, why am I, it's another, it's a world famous acapella I act. I feel like I have the music. Yeah, I know exactly, I know exactly who you're thinking. Of, I can't think of the something tronics or is something it, like is that. It trance, uh... Numbchuck, look it up, and I'm feeling. <laughs> and you're gonna have to do some serious editing now because we were on a really roll here. Um, you know, and, and if, if my daughter's listening, she goes, "Dad, that's so and so." And I've actually seen these guys. Yeah, they're phenomenal. Yeah, I think they won. They either won like America's Got Talent or something like that. Yeah. We, Way back when, or yeah. whatever. But pentatonics. Uh, pentatonics. Oh, there pentatonics. you go. Have you seen? Have you the heard onyx? of it? No, I haven't heard of Pen pentatonics. 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 Yeah, 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 oh okay. my goodness. Pentatonics. They've been here. Oh yeah. Little pentatonics right here. That's them. Yeah. Phenomenal. <laughs> We've been doing a little queen this week with "We Are the Champions" with the Aces, this. and then here we go. Pentatonics. Yeah. yeah, outstanding. So there you go. Let's let's do that. Let's I do. do I do. Look, I have some of their music on my phone. See, there you go. <laughs> See, you do. Yeah. Of course you do. Showtime's got it all. That's what I love about Showtime. I have the Trace of the old album. school. All that. <laughs> That's a good one, actually. Yeah, the Christmas album. That is a good one. Yeah. All right. So other things you're working on right now. What are you doing? Uh, amateurboxingchampions.com. Yeah. We are talk. about to start highlighting the top elite amateurs. Uh, we're going to start here in the United States and hopefully make that an international app and website very soon. And uh, that's something that I've been working on for uh, about six months now. So I'm happy to, to, to say that that's finally coming to fruition and everything's starting to really open mm -hmm. up with that. Uh, outside of that, of course, the, the Portaway podcast. And um, we we got uh, we got uh, some big some big shows coming up soon. We just had Roy Jones on over the weekend, mm -hmm. and uh, that was a really good show. So I mean, just working hard, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So we've got uh, some more boxing coming. We not really so much here in in Vegas, and I think a lot of people are a little sad that Tyson Fury decided to to step away from the ring right now. But Deontay Wilder was in town yesterday yeah. uh, with the training session. He's not going to be fighting here, but but he's getting back in the ring again. And kind of like Triple G, I mean, do we want to see Deontay Wilder in the ring again? Because the last couple times we saw him against Tyson Fury, it was not memorable at all. And talking about a guy <laughs> that maybe might be on the, the downside of his career, another guy that's that's getting up there in age yeah. as well, too. Yeah, I, uh, how did you feel about that the, the trilogy fight? I mean, I just felt like he showed us so much in that trilogy fight, even in a loss. I felt like he showed us kind of the new the potential that he has that I think really had been untapped until he yeah. got with uh with it with his coach uh whose name uh I'm I'm, I'm missing right now um um uh shoot Malik Scott Malik Scott yeah, yeah. so what would what, you think about the, the I, 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 well here's the thing I mean with Wilder I I didn't like what happened and you can relate to this I mean not that it happened to you but just it, as a boxer that basically you play out in the public what happened in your corner right. and that sort of thing. Right. And that, I think, took away a lot mm -hmm. from him, mm -hmm. just their relationship and then way, the way the public you know, saw it. It's like, okay, there's sure. infighting within their own camp and that sort of thing. And I don't know. I always viewed Wilder as a guy that was a fantastic athlete that decided to box and maybe – 
picked up boxing maybe too late. Yeah. And he beat a a bunch of uh, opponents that that were overmatched, and it was just sheer power. Sure. How many times did we see him in fights that he didn't really look good, but then boom, bomb squad sure. comes in, and that sort of thing. <laughs> so for me, I I would never put him in top pound for pound, or yeah. even in is one of the top 10 or 15 greatest heavyweights. I wouldn't put him there, yeah. even though his power was unquestionably yeah. you know, I phenomenal. He has the, the number one uh, knockout percentage of yeah. heavyweights now uh, uh, of all time. And, uh, you know, but with that being said, the thing that's supposed to happen with a, with a amateur fighter who turns pro or just a, a boxer in general, you're supposed to have build-up fights. You're, you're supposed to improve along the way. And things are supposed to get better. You're supposed to learn different techniques, new styles, and all these different types of things. And I really do think that between him knocking out opponent after opponent and him not having the kind of coaches and training that he needed to have, he just flat out never improved. Right. And I do believe that now, having Malik Scott in his corner, and the reason why I speak on Malik Scott highly is because I've had a few opportunities to be in the same room with with, with Malik, pick his brain, and, and, really, and not that I know everything that needs to know about boxing, but he, he just really is a sharp boxer-turned-coach. Mm -hmm. And so with him knowing what it's like in there, being able to translate that to, to, to now to, to Deontay Wilder, I do think that Deontay has been able to improve in a lot of areas that people have been wanting to him to improve on for a number of years. Now, I mean, he's been pro for 13, 14 years now, and he's improved in things in a year, two years, that people have been expecting him to improve on in 10 years 12 years, you know. With that being said, I do think that we're going to see a new version of Deontay Wilder. I do think that he's going to have a second phase of his boxing career. And I think that it's going to be a better phase than it was the first time around because now he's going to be a little bit more eye-pleasing. And he's going to have some boxing ability that we haven't seen in a very long time from him. So in answer to your question with him, what I thought about the trilogy, uh, I think a lot of people think that, well, okay, maybe the matchup, but he just – there was a bad matchup for him. Tyson Fury has his number. Sure. I, I, I enjoyed the trilogy. I thought they were all exciting fights, um, even though that you know, basically two of them were kind of one-sided mm -hmm. uh, in favor of Fury. Mm -hmm. But I just think that if Wilder has fight someone again like Fury with those type of skills, an upper echelon sure. heavyweight, sure. that that would be the result again. I'm sure. not sure if he can beat an upper echelon because we've seen so many you know, during his career that just were not upper echelon. And it just, that's, you know, like your division, welterweight, it's stacked. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, middleweights, we've seen stacked. Yeah. Lightweights, stacked. Yeah. Uh, but the heavyweight, for the last 20 years, it just hasn't been stacked. So, uh, again, maybe if he's in a different era, maybe, you know, he wouldn't be as successful. Oh, my goodness. I've said Plus, that so many times. Right? If he was in a different he does, I said boxing is all about timing mm -hmm. and opportunity. He had the perfect timing and the perfect, and, the, and he was put in the perfect situations right. that, that have the perfect opportunities, and he capitalized on virtually all of them, even with losing the to, to Tyson in the second fight. I mean, he put up such an argument, a debacle by everything that had happened. You're like, all right, shut, we want to see it again. Right. So prove us, prove us, yeah. prove it to us. Yeah. And then he did, and then he went out and did a really good job, I think, in the third fight. But I mean, a guy that is able to sell himself outside of the ring, we, we that's one in, one in a lifetime type of fighter right there. Tyson Fury is yeah. the only other fighter at heavyweight mm -hmm. that can do that. And then, you know, again, there's only one Tyson Fury. 
That being said, I don't think Deontay Wilder is going to fight any of the young Lions because we got some Lions coming up mm -hmm. in the heavyweight division. We got one guy specifically here from the United States, Jared Anderson. Right. He is the next thing right. in the heavyweight division. So um, I think, if anything, Deontay Wilder is going to keep everyone here in the United States interested in the heavyweight division until Jared Anderson finally takes that leap and, and takes over. All right, final thing here on boxing before we uh, go to break and, and, and turn the page to some football here is that you got a chance to, to work with Deontay Wilder, interview him, talk to him. Do you feel that he is still hungry right now to to really want this and to be relevant again. Because of people like you, he is. And no disrespect to you, but like yeah. just the things that you said. Hey, this is what I know. I about don't know. That's why I'm hey, asking. This yeah. is what yeah. this is what I know about Deontay Wilder. Yeah. He hasn't shown me this. He hasn't shown mm -hmm. me that. What? What? Wh why do I want to see him again? He's got a chip on his shoulder, okay. and he's got something mm -hmm. to prove. And anytime you've got something to prove, you're always going to put your best foot forward. Is that or is that not true? Absolutely correct. Yeah, so he's okay. going to put his best foot forward. I think that he's going to have, you know, this uh, this second wave, and I'm looking forward to it, to be honest with you. I am, I'm a Deontay Wilder fan, and, and, the, and the list goes on. So, yeah, I, I am biased in saying this, but definitely from my my perspective, my, my analytical mind is telling me that he's, he's about to do this thing and do it in a big way. As always, great boxing talk with Showtime Sean Porter, the two-time welterweight champ, the retired champ. That's right. <laughs> Permanent retired champ. Here you go. Lo loving life. And again, so active uh, on the broadcasting side and everything else that he's doing as well, too. You ready to come back and talk a little NFL? Let's do it. We'll talk about what we saw last night in Cleveland yeah, man. with the Browns and the Steelers. I want to get your take on that. Marco D'Angelo is going to be joining us. John Murray, the executive director of race and sports here at the Westgate as well, too. Trevor Madge will join us next hour. Best bets where we give you our three best college plays, three best NFL plays. All of that is coming a whole lot more on this fabulous Friday, a football Friday edition of the T.C. Martin Show, live from the world-famous Superbook at the Westgate. T.C. Martin. I'm ready to go in, Coach. Just give me a chance. The doctor is now in, in, in. From the world-famous Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas, T.C. Martin. Showtime, Sean Porter in the house. Marco D'Angelo joins us now, and uh, hang tight. John Murray, the executive director of Race and Sports here at the Westgate, will be joining us, of course. Trevor Match will join us via the phone, and we've got our best bet segment and a whole lot more coming your way here on this fabulous Friday at the Westgate. Marco, what's going on, my man? Just living the dream, living the dream. Look at this, <laughs> living the dream. Okay, I thought this would be really cool because, as we know, Showtime Sean Porter, a big Cleveland Browns fan. Yeah, man. And I know he was watching that game intently last night. Mm -hmm. I, I, I should have probably texted you as well, Marco, but I, <laughs> I figured you probably wouldn't answer my text. But uh, going back with Sean, you know, I know he was pretty happy the way that thing ended last night. Marco, I really thought that it was a good spot for the Steelers catching four and a half in that game last night, and it looked that way in the first half. Halftime, the Steelers were up 14 to 13, and then all of a sudden the second half, I don't know if, it was Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> or the real Mitch uh, Trubisky uh, showed up or whatever, but, man, it got ugly there uh, in, in the second half. First of all, Showtime, some thoughts on your Browns right now. Great game uh, yesterday, uh, fun to watch. 
uh, I, I really just got to I gotta speak to Jacoby Brissett, man. I think that he's really taking over. I, and I know the, the commentator said this multiple times uh, during the game that he is really taking control of the offense and he's really taking control of what um, our head coach is giving him. And, I mean, he just looked great last night. I, I, I watched him intently when he played in, in Indianapolis. I didn't watch him much when he went to Miami. But what I saw in Indianapolis is that he just – He's very uh, comfortable in the pocket, and he makes all the right throws. He comes over here to Cleveland now, and he's just he's he's making all the right passes. His the timing is on point. I mean, I haven't seen that out of a Cleveland Browns quarterback in such a long time. That I mean, it's it's almost embarrassing for me to admit how long it's been since we've had a good quarterback. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mark, what were your thoughts last night's game? Well, I was actually happy with it because I bet the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Pittsburgh Steel over here. There it is. See, when, you're a, professional, when you're a professional handicapper, you got no allegiance to, to your home team. That is crazy. Yeah. I actually sent a tweet out last night. It was the cutest picture. My dog wants to play fetch constantly, and he has a Steeler ball. And I took a picture of the Steeler ball in his mouth, and I said, Chip doesn't understand why I can't play fetch <laughs> with him tonight. We bet the Browns. Yeah, there you go. But uh, situation, uh, to go to Jacoby Brissett, he's never had as many offensive weapons yeah. as he's had yeah, right true. now in Cleveland. Uh, that running game is amazing, and you've got a two-headed monster with the running game. And then you've got Amari Cooper just opening things up downfield. Yeah. Yeah. This is an offense that's going to be good, and uh, he's still learning the offense. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, later in the season, you know, whenever we get to that point, Deshaun Watson comes back. You know, Cleveland, if they hold serve and can just stay in the race till later in the year, who knows what could happen with the Browns. They've supposed to have been – a Super Bowl contender the last two seasons. Right. Maybe this year with all the turmoil was whenever they get there. But uh, for the Steelers, the honest you know, assumption and why I went against them, they're not the same team without um, T.J. Watt. Okay, mm -hmm. And I knew that they were going to have trouble stopping the running game. And when you can't stop the running game, I don't care who your quarterback is, he's going to look better when you've got a solid running game. And as far as Mitch Trubisky goes, he did make some good throws downfield, but Especially Matt Canada, in the first half. Yeah, Matt Canada quit throwing the ball yeah. downfield, and there's a lot of dissension in Pittsburgh between people want Kenny Pickett, okay, and he's not ready yet. Just slow your roll there. <laughs> but a lot of it is it's not as much on Mitch Trubisky as it is on the play calling of Matt Canada. And Matt Canada had that one great season at Pitt. A few years back when they were scoring, you know, 35-plus every game, and then he became the hot offensive coordinator, and he made his rounds. It's, you know, some bigger stops in college football and then to the NFL. But we haven't seen that again <laughs> since then. I guess it's a little easier to do that against ACC defenses than uh, NFL defenses. Okay, so help me out here because I know a lot of people who had the Pittsburgh Steelers last night are going to echo my sentiments here. Less than two minutes to go. The score is 23 to 14. The Browns are leading. Pittsburgh has the ball, putting together a nice little drive here. And it's fourth and five. And they send out the field goal team. You know, Boswell to kick the field goal. And I, okay, fourth and five, really, you know, kind of a chip shot field goal. What, it, in, around the 20, 25 yard line. And then all of a sudden, a penalty occurs. And it's uh, against Cleveland. So now it's 
not quite a first down, but it's fourth and in inches. Mm-hmm. And he still elects to yeah. kick the field goal. Yeah. It blows my mind. It's fourth in inches. <laughs> you get the first down. You get the touchdown because you want to be down, you know, to, uh, you know, by by two. At that point in time, it just didn't make sense because again, if you're counting on onside kick and that sort of thing, or hold, you know, you're not going to get the ball back. It's going to be a lot easier to kick a field goal to maybe go 20 yards to kick a field goal instead of moving down the field for a touchdown. So you go get that Got that that six or seven, especially yeah. when it's fourth in inches. Yeah. Is it just me or what the heck is the is this? When it was fourth and five. The guys that do all the numbers, you kick the field goal when it's fourth and five. They're, and moving, never the, they're moving the ball down the field. <laughs> you want to give your chance, your team a chance to win. If you miss the fourth down, game's over. But when it was when they got the penalty, there's no question. Yeah. You have to go for it yeah. when they got the penalty. That's when I couldn't understand it. And then not that uh, you're supposed to tease a team that's plus four to up to plus ten, but if you had Pittsburgh on a teaser uh, last night, uh, you know, my hearts and condolences to you. <laughs> and if you remember the final Steeler game last year, it was the Monday, the Ben's final home game was against the same Cleveland Browns, and we had the same, same type of, uh, of ending. Yeah. I was on that one because it was the right I, number. I remember take. it. Yeah. And I, I remember it. So teasers were not kind to people in the last 30 seconds of uh, the last two so Cleveland. It, it actually kind of made me feel good because you know how much I, I like teasers, and I was thinking about teasing the Steelers in that situation last night, and I'm thinking, if I would have teased it, I would have teased it. And then, of course, you know, they punt, they get the ball at their own two-yard line. Of course, we know what's going to happen. Here we go. We're going to throw the ball backwards, do all this nonsense. And, of course, the Browns fall in the end zone for a 12-point victory instead. But let's answer one other thing to you. I know there was no time left and there was only one play, but it was fourth and less than one. When they punted the ball, why, why didn't uh, yeah, why don't just go for it? <laughs> yeah, I, I, game's over. Why are you punt? You I don't risk- understand the defensive-minded <laughs> mentality of these coaches. I really don't. The only way they they could lose the game in that spot was a blocked punt, right. run back for a touchdown. That is the only way they were going to lose the, the game yeah. at that point. Run the football. You're going to take another five seconds off at worst, and you've got Chubb in the backfield. You right. can't make a, a yard. Come on, I. I Coaches. Are, are these coaches too young? They don't remember Joe Pisarczyk? You know? Huh? Is that the deal? You know, Herm Edwards picking it up for the Eagles and running in the end zone? Miracle in the Meadowlands, right? Yeah. Man, I, insane. Insane stuff. All right, so you feeling good about your brownies, aren't you? Uh, they're sitting at 2-1 right now. Yeah. I really like that. Okay. I think that uh, that uh, that's practically what I, you know, is, is it 2-1 or is it 1-1? One one? Well, you're 2-1. Two you're 2-1. Two right? two yeah. I, you had a gut-wrenching I loss like last week. Yeah. <laughs> they could, they three, like three, three three and and i like to see them at 3-0. They should have been 3-0. I'd like to see them at 3-0. Yeah, yeah. But uh, nevertheless, I think that um, I, I see us sweeping the, the Steelers this year, which is probably the first thing that, first time that's happened in my lifetime. But outside of that, man, I do like where they're at. I like where Jacoby is looking right now. And, um, you know, just kind of speaking back to, to that, with us having Kareem Hunt, and Nick Chubb in the backfield, everyone's saying, hey, just run the ball. You're going to win every game. All you have to do is pound the ball. You got a great offensive line. Just pound the ball. But somehow, someway, the Browns always at some point ended up, end up leaning on their quarterback. And I do think that for the first time we have a quarterback that can take care of the ball, that can make the right decisions, that can release it 
on time, fast, three-step drop, two seconds, and we're getting the ball out. And and we got somebody that can can you know no no disrespect to Baker Mayfield but can <laughs> see down the field and those balls aren't getting batted down. I saw a ball got batted down last night. I said I said wait a minute that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> so let me ask you you talking about Jacoby Brissett the quarterback situation. What's going to happen when Deshaun Watson? comes back and he's eligible. And how do you feel about the whole De- Deshaun Watson situation? Hey, you know, in Cleveland? I don't really want to speak on much of it, but this is what I will say. Um, and I, know, I know not from, the, from the outside of football realm. Sure, but, but I'm, I'm not jumping on the bandwagon. When I saw we took Jacoby or we, we acquired Jacoby Brissett and also uh, and, 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 and Cooper, I, I said, um, I said, because I had watched him, uh, Jacoby, I said, yo, we got a nice backup and then everything starts to unfold with Deshaun Watson now I'm at the point where I'm like hey I'm already a Jacoby Brissett fan give the the front office a reason for them to become a 100% fan of you and feel like they don't need to play this man even though they've paid him I understand he's paid but got a lot of heat on you right now there's a lot of people out there including myself I used to travel I try and I travel all the time travel all the time with Browns gear I can't wear Browns gear right now because I just don't want any heat coming after me <laughs> you have a lot of fans right now that are boycotting the season they're like, hey yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll let you play this season I'm not I'm not with you this season but then next season I'm back I can't boycott the entire season so give me a reason to feel comfortable mm-hmm. Sporting the Browns gear, and I think that's if Jacoby does his thing, and you know they they figure out that he is the guy, mm-hmm. and they rock with him. So honestly, man, that's what I'm looking for. Deshaun Watson is an athlete. He's a he's a proven quarterback in the in the in the NFL. Uh, there's no telling how he's going to perform with everything that's on his shoulders right now. You know, so we'll see we'll see what happens. You and Marco are in the same boat because he won't wear any of his Steelers gear because he's too embarrassed right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think we got a lot in the uh, reserve bank from uh, pa- past history. There right. you go. Uh, Me too. Ten playoff appearances in 15 uh, seasons. There you go. Oh, Mike we- Tomlin, you know. <laughs> no wins, though, recently so, in the playoffs. So no number 10 uh, Steelers jersey. You're not going to be no, I actually ha- I have a Kenny Pickett jersey already. But I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm, wait- I'm waiting to bring it out. It- it'll probably come out maybe around week uh, eight. Okay. All Tomlin right. is not an underrated coach, but I think that he flies under the radar when it comes as it pertains to some of these other coaches in Lee. Of course, Bilicek, uh, the coach over there with the Chiefs. Andy uh, Reid. Andy Reid. Yeah. I think that he belongs in the same conversations with those, with those coaches. Not after last night. Oh, stop <laughs> it. Plus, it is just Come on, man. Stop it. We should, you know, a lot of Steeler fans were giving him heat last year for a lot of late-game decisions as well, too. So I th- there might be something to that. Mm-hmm. The only knock I've had on Tomlin over his career is I think once he's great prep, he's great coaching him up, but once they get into the game, he just doesn't make in-game yeah. adjustments. And, you know, and you speak about Bill Belichick. I mean, Belichick would keep doing things, you know, spreading the offense, and they wouldn't have anything to counter it. They just kept running the same plays over and over again. So, and you gotta, you got to make in-game adjustments, and that's the only knock I, I have on Tomlin. But it's going to be a different year for Pittsburgh. And like I said, when the injury went – down with uh, T.J. Watt. That first half against the Bengals, the Steeler defense looked like the glory days of Dick LeBeau's defense. They had Burrow running for his life. Now, granted, Cincinnati's offensive line is not the best offensive line in football, but the Steelers were, I think they had six or seven sacks that day, and T.J. Watt 
out. They had no sacks last week, and we really didn't get any pressure on, you know, to Kobe last night. So it's going to be a tough season for, for the Steelers. All right. Last night's game, the uh, Browns defeat uh, the Steelers. We get ready for more NFL action coming up uh, on Sunday here. A uh, quick take from you guys regarding the Raiders 0-2 start going against the Tennessee Titans, who are also 0-2. Nobody wants to be 0-3 to start a season, but somebody's O has got to go, as we yeah, say in the know. boxing game, <laughs> except that O is usually on the lost side. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. This one's on the win side. Maybe it ends in a tie, though. I was going to say, what if it ends in a tie? But somebody's o, the, both O's are staying then. Yeah. But uh, quick take, what do you think of these Raiders, man? You know what, I think it's just everything hasn't been really firing the way that it needs to, or yeah. either offensively or defensively. So, you know, you, you got to figure your, your, your first game, you're getting kinks out. Your second game, you're kind of really getting everybody in order. Then you expect, obviously, both these teams being 0-3, you expect for the, both of these teams to really show up and be them their best selves. So I think the best version of the Raiders does beat the best version of the, of the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee's been trash so far. They got beat by the Giants, and then they just got absolutely waxed. Well, they under. gave the Giants the game. Yeah. Uh, again, they had that game. They had a seven-point lead. And, uh, again, defensive lapses, and then the Giants go for two on that final touchdown. I mean, if you look at the stats, you watch the way that game unfolded, the Titans outplayed the Giants in that opener. And then you go back to Monday night, then, you know, they, they give up a touchdown with the Bills, the machine that the Buffalo Bills are right now. But then they come back on their first offensive possession. They march down the field. Derrick Henry looked good. It's 7-7. Mm -hmm. I'm going like, okay, we might have ourselves a game here. 41-7 final. <laughs> like, what the heck? But as bad as they looked on Monday night, the Raiders' second half against the Cardinals. And I had the Cardinals, and I'll tell you, I was ready to tear my ticket up at halftime. <laughs> it was not looking good. And to let them do what they did in the second half in the two-point conversion, I, I mean, it was like watching the sequel to The Longest Yard. I, I mean, he was back there. It seemed like forever running all over the field. How many? Uh, they did the thing. I, I forget how many yards he actually ran on that play completing the two-point conversion um, and then to fumble in, you know, in overtime. I didn't want to go to overtime uh, because that's where dogs go to die. You know, <laughs> I'm, si I'm sitting there with that plus five and a half, and I said, don't tease me like this and come right. all the way back yeah. and then lose by six in overtime. Right. And that's what I was worried about. And then we got, you know, the scoop and score. Uh, so, you know, I was lucky. But this is going to – the Raiders need this game more than Tennessee. I know they're both 0-2, but Tennessee's division, I think, is going to be 9-7. and You know, can win that division. I mean, you got Jacksonville and Houston in there. Uh, Jacksonville's leading the division with one win in Indianapolis. Wow. <laughs> they're only half a game out, 0-1-1. You wow. know, so. How, how weird does that sound? Jacksonville <laughs> leading the division, right? <laughs> So, you know, they could stub their – if there was anybody that could go 0-3 and still recover, it would be Tennessee. Mm. Raiders go 0-3, season's over in They'll that division. they never come back, yeah. Not from that, that mm -hmm. division. I don't think Mike Vrabel would agree with you. He doesn't want to be 0-3. Nobody, Nobody wants, wants to be 0-3. <laughs> Nobody yeah. wants to be – well, what's the – it's like 11% 0-2. They, they put the graphic up last week yeah. to make the playoffs. 0-3 is – you're like, you Impossible. need a prayer. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's totally done. I don't know if the, the Raiders are going to have an answer for Derrick Henry if they commit to running the ball because the Raiders defensively, as we know, they are a mess, but they're banged up. 
as well, too. And mm. there, we've seen a lot of injuries with them uh, that they've cured over the, the, the first two weeks. Where did the offense go in the second half? Mm. They went up and down the field in the first half. In Arizona, is not a good defense, mm. okay? I thought it was going to be one of those type of games where they, both teams would go up and down the field. The last team with the ball would win, and it ended up being the last team with the ball at one, but it was a situation where it was a tale of two halves. I mean, it was totally opposite. Raiders did absolutely nothing in the second half, and that's kind of, you know, you got to coaching. Don't take your foot off the gas. Mm. You got you know, it's I like do, you, I think I think when you aren't any better in the second half, that's a, that's directly because mm. of the coaching. I don't think that that is the player or the personnel. I think that is coaching, not making the right play calls, or not really. A lot of these coaches you're seeing now, they're not being, they're not able, they're not willing to take those chances mm. that are needed. I mean, we just talked about the Steelers last yeah. night, fourth and inches twice, and yeah. you don't go for it. That you now you're just too textbook at this point. You got to get a, get away from the book and make those in-game adjustments. You're right. Mm-hmm. All right, talk a little NFL. We'll talk some college football next hour as well. We are live from the Superbook at the Westgate of Las Vegas. Come out and see the show live every Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. Of course, we are Monday through Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. And Showtime Sean Porter is in the house here today. Man, I appreciate you uh, yeah. hanging out with us for a little bit yeah. today. Yeah. I'm going to ask you just hang for a couple more minutes because we're going to have John Murray on. I know John wants to talk about we got a fight tonight yeah, with yeah, uh, yeah, Shakur yeah. Stevens. I know you got an opinion on that sure. as well, too. Top-ranked boxing Friday night. Uh, that is happening. And, of course, we're going to have our best bet segment coming up next hour as well, too. So don't you dare go anywhere live from the world-famous Superbook here at the Westgate Las Vegas. In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. It's been a great third down defense the last two weeks for Steelers. And they've got an interception and a run back all the way home. It's Belaine with the touchdown on the pick six. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting downfield. Intercepted. His first of the season, Jeff Heath. now in. Glad to have you back here on this Friday at the world-famous Superbook inside the Westgate of Las Vegas. No better place to be on a Friday. The sportsbook fantastic, but everything here at the Westgate. You want to see shows? We've got tickets actually to give away too, as well too. The Bronx Wanderers, the Motown Show, Magic with Jeff Kramer. It's all here for you. Come on by. See the show live. We're here each and every Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo, our resident handicapper extraordinaire, and uh, Showtime Sean Porter, the champ, in the house with us today. We're going to ask Sean to hang for a couple more minutes. And uh, Sean doing it all. Retired now, but still doing his uh, the, the TV stuff on the boxing side and filling in for me when I'm on vacation or on assignment. There you go, Showtime. You're permanently my main <laughs> fill-in now. I dig it. You're, I'll be around. He was so good when he filled in for me last week. <laughs> Thanks, man. John Murray joins us, the executive director of Racing Sports here at the Westgate. John, what's going on, my man? Busy weekend, man. Yep. Busy weekend. We had uh, Sean's Browns last night. Yep. They got it done against the Steelers. We got. <laughs> I love it. Sean's Browns. No, <laughs> yeah. no. Make a T-shirt uh, with that. No <laughs> UFC this weekend. Yeah. You know, the last couple of weekends we had that big UFC event, the Nate Diaz card. And then we had the Canelo fight last Saturday. Right. 
Not this, not this week. This week's all about football. There you go. Although Shakur Stevenson is fighting tonight. And I want to talk to you uh, about that because Sean and I talked at length about the Canelo Triple G uh, fight. Talked a lot of boxing in the opening segment here today. But I want to get your take uh, on boxing in general here at the Westgate and uh, the Shakur Stevenson who is fighting top-ranked boxing, actually a Friday night fight uh, here tonight. What kind of action, first of all, did you guys see with the Canelo Triple G fight? Canelo, we did a ton of action. I think that was our biggest uh, boxing handle of the year. Uh, some really big bets came in on Canelo. Some, a lot of money actually came in the other way on Triple G. We had one guy came in uh, Saturday morning. He bet 200000 on Canelo to win 40000 We were riding Triple G money all evening. Uh, it was an awesome, awesome handle fight. Uh, the Stevenson fight tonight's not as good for business because he's such a big favorite. Right. You know, when we had him at minus 4,000 earlier in the week. Did that on purpose, trying to write some money against him. Yeah. Now we're down to minus 2,000 because we built up a lot of liability. Not that I'm really too worried about that, but uh, you don't want to go too crazy. But, you know, when you have a guy that's a minus 4,000, a minus 2,000, it's not great for business. Yeah. It's probably not great for TV ratings either. But with him moving up to 135 pounds, certainly he's going to have some big fights in the future. Right. So, Sean, we were talking a little bit about Shakur Stevenson off the air. Uh, give us your take about Shakur's fight tonight and moving up in weight a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, so this fight is still officially at 130. So he's fighting right. another 130-pound fighter. Uh, Canciao is, is game to fight. He's a Brazilian fighter. Those guys are, they, it's like they get down, but they, they come right back, you know. So I think that this this is not going to be an easy night for uh, Shakur because he's going to have a guy that's just not going to lay down, you know. I think that's what's going to make the difference. I do think that Shakur is going to control this fight beginning to end. It's just, it's, it's. It's him. Like, the 130 yeah. division is his division yeah. until, obviously, now he's moving out of it. You know, mm-hmm. once he gets to 135, there's going to be some much more competitive fights for him to be in, uh, fights that he's still going to be in control of. But I think that uh, this is going to be an exciting fight, Friday night fights. I mean, I think that this does have the makings to be a really good fight night for boxing. And we had a, a weight issue in this fight, too, didn't we? Yeah. 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 Uh, he was a pound and a half overweight yesterday. Right. And uh, – Anyone that doesn't know, you do. You get on the scale. You already know how much you weigh before you get on the scale. Um, but once you get on the scale and it's official that you're overweight, the commission gives you two hours to lose that weight. And I think he said, hey, instead of hurting my body, instead of losing the weight, I'm going to make sure I go in the ring strong and then I'm going to move up to 135 after this fight. Um, did he spend too much time at 130? I don't think so. Um, there's bigger fights for him at 135, so I think that now makes sense for him to move up to 135. I think he, he takes care of Concial and then he moves up, you know, in, in a big way. Outside of the fact that, hey, man, you didn't make weight, you know, so I think he shows a little unprofessionalism right there, but at the same time, you know, he's saying, hey, I can't make 130 anymore. It's time for me to go. How many times do you have a discrepancy with the uh, scale? I, I, I had uh, I had one discrepancy with the scale, and um, was you know, the scale I, wrong or not? The scale was wrong, of man. It's always, it's always wrong, wrong. When, you're, when you're a fighter. It's always wrong. <laughs> no, and 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 again, like I knew before I woke up, knowing what my weight was, and uh, we we knew that hey, we can do a little bit now. We'll get on the scale, whatever it says. We'll handle the rest after, you know. So I think that if anything, from my experience, it is. A lack of professionalism. I really don't think that guys are so physically damaged that they can't make weight. I think that, yeah, they get to a point where they can't make the weight, but I think that is because they have 
been unprofessional and then what I talked about very much earlier in this in this broadcast is that mentally they start to like let it go I'm not gonna make the way I'm not gonna make the way and then you know once that takes over you just don't hit it and then you say hey I'm moving up I, I couldn't do it. It's been a long time coming, and, you know, everybody moves forward. So, You know, we talked a lot about the welterweight division being stacked, which it still is. The last guy that you fought and who you know very well, Terrence Crawford, getting ready to fight Earl Spence Jr., who you fought, both guys. We're great. We're great fights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 they were. I was there. I was in yeah. both of them. Yeah, you one were. in L.A., one here. Exactly. Yeah. Handicapped that fight for us. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I had to make a price on the fight. Come uh, on, we, we had to put up a price. There's got to be some uh, insight from I you. I do think that this is probably for for the for the for you guys over here at the sports book. It's probably going to be the tightest betting you've ever seen, where mm -hmm. it's literally fifty fifty down two the way line. action. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna get two way action. You'll yeah. be, you'll make money on both sides. Of I think it's the sure. best boxing fight. I moved here in two thousand seven. Yeah. I think this is the best fight since I've lived in Las Vegas. Yeah. I think these two guys fighting each other. Both in their primes. Yeah, I, I don't know that there's ever been a better boxing fight since I've lived here. We've got the price. It's a pick'em fight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who do you want to bet on? I've heard people telling me why Crawford's gonna win. I've heard people tell me why Spence is gonna win. Sure. I know what I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I could be wrong. I can't yeah. wait for that fight. I can't wait for it either. And I think just like you just said, um, you know, this is probably the most exciting and 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 teeter totter 50 50 fight you've probably we we probably ever experienced here in 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 las vegas we've had some really good boxing matches i'll go back to 2007 we've had some really good boxing matches but you could always say okay that guy's gonna win if he does xyz mm -hmm. this guy wins if he does xyz well this one uh crawford's gonna win if he does xyz but uh, Errol can do X, Y, Z, but and it's just his back and forth. I mean, even for myself, I remove all of the bias, and I even remove all that, and I say, well, Terrence Crawford is my boy. He's going to win this one. And then I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either, man. I and I, I usually have a pretty strong opinion when I go to these things. Yeah. Um, and I usually have a pretty strong opinion when I put up the odds and when we write the bets. Here's the interesting yeah. thing. I don't know. The welterweight division, I always say this, it has what the lightweights have and also what the heavyweights have. It has the power of the heavyweights, but also the work output, punch output, speed yeah. of the lightweights. And so one of those fast jabs can, can just make the entire difference in the entire fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then this, this fight is literally about inches. It's about moments. It's about who's willing to take that chance. And then what are the repercussions for taking that chance? It's a great fight. I can't wait. I can't. I got to figure out. Have they announced where it's going to be? Yet? It's going to be here in Las no, Vegas. No, I know it's in Las Vegas, yeah. but they have they announced the More than likely, it's going to be at the Garden. At the Grand Garden? At the, gra at the Grand Garden. That's what I'm... Been with a yeah. Garden or T-Mobile. Yeah. Fingers crossed on yeah. my end. I'm hope I want yeah. it to be at the Grand Garden. Yeah. Yeah. I love the atmosphere of going to yeah. fights there. I love T-Mobile. I'm not I'm yeah. here. I'm not saying anything bad about T-Mobile. It's more of a big fight feel. You're walking through the sure. MGM. It's the history. You get into the Grand there Garden. It's the history. There's more the history. history of yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. I hope it's there. Because they can light up the T-Mobile and, yeah. and make it really look really like a special night, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. like they had 18,000 last Saturday night for Canelo and but Triple G. it'll be at the but, yeah. Okay, I'm going to make, make this real easy for you guys. I know who's going to win this fight. It's going to be Terrence Crawford. Me. Oh, okay. It's going to be Terrence Crawford. It is. Well, I'm going to go me. back there. Yeah, for me, it's easy. Write, I'll and just go back there and write as many bets as I can on Spence. There, there you go. That's good. I and, hate and, when and people and say it's easy because I had that conversation. I, okay, I'm not going to say – I shouldn't say easy, okay? But I will say this. We don't have anyone better 
then my man right here who fought both guys knows him very well in the ring with him and, and lost too close to sitting. You are not going to get a better opinion than him. And it, you know exactly what both guys bring to the table because you faced him for and 12 And people rounds. look at me and think that I'm crazy when I say that Errol Spence Jr. got into a very bad car accident in yeah. 2019 right after he fought me. It's been three years since that accident. He's better now than he was before the accident. He said it when it's one thing for you to yeah. you got to sell tickets. You got to yeah. make people believe in you and all, right. all these different types of things. But I know based on my experience, when you have an experience with someone, mm -hmm. that experience makes you better. Mm -hmm. that, that accident didn't make him forget about everything that he went through in the ring with me. The accident didn't make him forget about everything that he's out for in this sport and things of that nature. And this is what I say. I say at the end of the day, Errol Spence Jr., I know what I was looking at. He is a fighter. He could have very well gotten in that accident, and he's going to have trouble driving. He very well got in that accident. He's going to have a trouble flipping a pancake or flipping a, a, a burger. He ain't going to have a problem at all getting in the boxing ring and just boxing. It's just who he is. That's really hard to beat. That's, then, then you got yeah. Terrence Crawford, literally the meanest guy that I know. <laughs> literally. I have him at, at my house with my buddies. He knows my buddies through. We're good. But he's still arguing with everybody. <laughs> he's still making bets with everybody. Right, uh, he's telling everybody he can throw the ball, football at 60 yards. Now we're outside for 30 minutes because he won't refu He refuses to throw the ball until everybody says, "Yeah, that was 60 yards." You know. <laughs> so that's who he is. You know, you have two of the most competitive, competitive yeah. most um, nutritious boxers getting in the ring against one another. Man, this is it's. It's going to be unbelievable. I, 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 this is the most I can uh, predict about this fight. It's going to start off a little slow, yeah. and it's going to get on everybody's nerves. Yeah, yeah. Because people are going to complain no matter what. Everybody's going to be so yeah. amped up and so yeah. ready for the fireworks. And they're going to feel each other out because they're yeah, both traditionally slow starters. But here's why I like Ike Crawford. Crawford has had a chip on his shoulder for such a long time. Yeah. Okay. Much like you, which we've talked about so many times. We've sure. talked about it today sure. about being inactive and that sort of thing. Yeah. He had a little – he's had discrepancy with Bob Arum in top rank and yeah. felt like, that. okay, he's not getting those fights. You know, should he join PBC? Does PBC want him? Because Al Heyman had all of those 147-pounders, including mm -hmm. yeah. you, Showtime, Sean Porter, mm -hmm. and he couldn't get those fights. So he had to fight, in his mind, maybe some lesser guys just to stay relatively active. This guy is hungry. He still wants to prove to the world. Correct me if I'm wrong, Sean. He is hungry. He is a competitor, and you nailed it. Yeah. And you know him better than anybody. Yeah. But just from my vision on the outside looking in and covering him and covering his fights, I just see that this is his time, mm -hmm. and this is his stamp because he feels disrespected. This guy is a beast. Yeah. He is a monster in the room. I think he's meaner. I think he's nastier. I think he's more focused. And personally, I think he could be more skilled than Earl Spence Jr. He, he, everything that you just named, he is. All yeah. of them. But, I mean, it's, 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 it's centimeters. It's, the, yes. the difference is centimeters. Yeah. Not, you know, not, not big yard. There's no, no major difference. But, you know, when we talk, when we get to the end of it all, the components that people don't see are going to be the components that make, a diff that make the difference in this fight. The, the guy who can think a little faster, react a little, a little faster, set something up a little better is the one who's going to win that fight. When someone gets hit, the one who doesn't get emotionally invested into a moment is who's going to stay uh, on top. And, and win this fight, you know what I mean? So it's the components, of the things that people don't see. Who's ever got, as we call the dog, who's got the most dog, the most, the most fight, the most bite, the most, you know, uh, 
determination, everything that you don't see. Both of these guys have it from my experience. Terrence Crawford, by a little bit, has just a little bit more than Errol Spence. And just about every category, which is why I, I lean with Terrence Crawford. Showtime Sean Porter joins us here in the Superbook at the Westgate. It's been great having him on today. John Murray, the Executive Director of Race and Sports there. It's great to have a boxing guy uh, on here with uh, that is a sports book director because so many times John I guess there's a lot of sports book directors that may be into the right you know box or rather baseball football basketball but to to have yourself who actually is a big fight fan uh, whether it's UFC or boxing I really appreciate that well this has been great for me because I didn't know how to book the fight <laughs> I, I, I mean I thought it was a true toss-up I still do think it's Oh, like he is. said, it, centimeters. It, 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 it is. I'm going to keep in mind what I just learned today from from you guys, from okay. you and Sean Porter. So tell me where where is that fight on the board we, right now, and have you got a, some early action? We have taken a little bit of money. We had it as a pick'em, and we moved it to to Crawford 20 for a little while, went back to pick'em. We've been going back and forth between those two numbers, Crawford 20. That's amazing. Or pick. It's so close. Because we rarely see this. No, rarely. I, I mean, I don't know that we ever. Yeah, a pick'em in boxing is like yeah. usually minus 140 or 150. Then we're talking about pick'ems, but but. To, have minus 110 or 120 in each side? It doesn't side. happen in the UFC either. Yeah. It just, uh, it's yeah. just something that doesn't happen in the fight game. Mm -hmm. it, you, you never get fights like this. It's usually like it's a good fight if one guy's minus two bucks. Right. Uh, that's usually like, I think that's what Floyd was against Pacquiao. Mm -hmm. But right. I, I think that to me, this is a much better fight than Floyd Pacquiao. Oh. I, I thought those guys were at the end of the It was five years too late. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm much more excited about this one. This fight's happening right on time, I believe. Yeah. yeah. I do. So, so let me ask you this, Sean, before we let you go, is it does seem that this fight is under the radar right now. Why is that? Now, we know we have two personalities that are kind of low-key guys, and that's probably part of the reason. Yeah. But like you said, we don't have a definitive location, and this fight has been talked about for going on two years now. Yeah. What is yeah. your opinion why this fight is, is not at the forefront that we're talking about? Because it's, it's around the corner. Yeah, it, it will be around the corner once it's officially announced and tickets yeah. are officially on sale and all of those different types of things. I think the main thing is that the promoters need to understand that they still have to do their jobs even if the fight is not announced, even if the fight is not uh, solidified. If you know it's going down, go ahead and start getting these guys on some of these sports shows and doing some things, getting them out in the in the Las Vegas community to get people excited. It's, uh, you know, we're beating the, de uh, uh, you know, we're we're just talking about we're we're going to be talking in circles about this because yeah. I don't think anything is going to change. But that's what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. These these uh, promoters need to start talking about these fights much sooner than than when they get officially announced and when the fighters are officially happy with all of the decisions that are being made. You know. Right. It's a tough time on the calendar. Yeah. It's a it's a yeah. Saturday in November. It's yeah. right before Thanksgiving. I mean, I thought the Mayweather-McGregor fight was really silly because it was, but that fight was the last Saturday in August. There was nothing else going on in the sports world, and we did an amount of business on that fight that will never top ever again, and, and any fight I ever book mm. won't be as big as Mayweather-McGregor at the window right. because of a lot of it was because of where it was on the calendar. Yep. That mm. Saturday, I think it's November 19. There's going to be college football. There's going to be the hockey's going to be going on. The Knights will be going on. There'll be NFL the next day. NBA will be playing. Mm -hmm. College basketball will be playing. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a very crowded time on the well, calendar. What day would you choose? Can I? I'll tell yeah. you. What day would you choose? Uh, you know what? It's X'd out every day in November. Well, in, I'll, in I'll, give you a, I'll give you a great one. It was the second Fury Wilder fight. It was right before COVID. 
It was like the last Saturday in February. Yeah. We he did said it that like it was a holiday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we did an absurd amount of business I, on that fight. I, did I celebrate COVID? Yeah. <laughs> it was right before COVID. We did yeah. a crazy amount of business. There was nothing else. Yeah, college basketball was going on, but there's a little lull there after the Super Bowl before the sure. conference tournaments. Sure. And it, it, it just dominated. That was really good. And then the other one is the summer. Uh, I remember yeah. when uh, when Keith Thurman fought Pacquiao. That was in the that was in July. Yeah. Here's uh, the th- thing: those are good for business. Bo- boxing fans, like everything else, they're we're regimented. Okay, so we know mm-hmm. Cinco de Mayo, and then Labor Day weekend. Those are big fight weekends. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mexican Independence Day, and then and then Cinco de Mayo. Those, those are in, especially when you had Oscar De La Hoya back in the day. You had Canelo Alvarez. Those guys fought, and we always had the first Saturday in May, and usually. You know, that, that first Saturday in September, I think the fight fans are uh, accustomed to big fights. And then with the pandemic and, and even the last couple of years, we haven't had big fights on those quote-unquote fight days or holidays. So I think that's – I remember de- uh, the first Fury uh, Wilder fight, even though it was in L.A., that was in December. I don't want to say December 11th yeah, or, or, or something of that nature. You know, so, yeah. But I think, you know, if the fight's big enough, I think you guys are going to write enough business – that's going to be busy, but again, especially this one because uh, fight fans are going to come out and bet this fight. They're going to come watch it. They're going to pay for it on pay-per-view because it is the most intriguing fight that we've had in quite some time. It's the best fight they can make. It's the best yep. fight they can make at any weight class yep. in in boxing or MMA. Yep. Yep. And we actually got it. Mm-hmm. It took them long enough. We were yep. getting nervous. Yep. I think I, I put up the price on that fight like... Like a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm glad it's finally gonna it's finally gonna hit. All right, John Murray's gonna hang uh, with us for a little bit. We'll uh, we'll talk some uh, some college football, some NFL. We got our best bets coming a little bit later on. So hang with that. But again, want to thank Showtime Sean Porter for joining us here. Always a pleasure, brother. Appreciate you as well. Always great conversations. And you can go on the website to check everything out with that because uh, this, this will be up a little bit later, of course, under the pod, podcast section at tcmartinshow.com. You know that website, don't you, Show? I do now. <laughs> <laughs> After puffing it up for there me. There you go. That's right. yeah. Brother, appreciate you as always, man. You got it. Man. Great Thank stuff. You. Thank you. There Truth. it is. Las Vegas is very young. By way of Akron. There you go. But this is his home. By way of Cleveland. By Cleveland, Akron. Yeah. Yeah. Cleveland. Yeah. Okay, go Browns. Yeah, go Browns. Can, can, I, can I get a dog uh, bark from you one time? No. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be like Kelsey Plum and go to I'm not around family right now. I can't do it. (laughs) You are family. You know that, man. All right. We'll be back here live from the Superbook at the Westgate. This is Showtime Sean Porter. You know I'm tuning in to the T.C. Martin Show. A fabulous football Friday here inside the Westgate. The world-famous Superbook. No better place to be. Oh, the giant screens, the 4K video wall, everything here is fantastic. The bar, the food options, fantastic. The VIP pods they've got here, it's uh, no better place, I'm telling you. The Westgate of Las Vegas, the history here at the world-famous Superbook. John Murray's hanging with us today, Executive Director of Racing Sports. John's going to be a fixture with us uh, each and every Friday, we hope. So uh, glad to have you with us, man. Tough moment for me there. A guy just walked by with a cigarette, and I wanted to yell at him. 
because this is a non-smoking facility. Mm. Amen, but we, brother. But we were back on the show. Yeah. So I didn't do it. I, I can do it. <laughs> we'll get him. We'll get him. No, I see security. Put out that fire. I see security going over there, towards him right now. There, we're good. There you go, man. So a crisis is averted. We're good. All right. And I know that was special for you to hang with little Showtime Sean Porter. Like I said, I know you're a big yeah. boxing fan. So that's that was cool. awesome, man. Yeah. That was that was really cool. I had no idea that I was going to get to talk to Sean Porter about Absolutely. the Spence Crawford fight today. There you go. That was sweet. Hey, get used to it, man. Yeah, we, man. All right. Marco D'Angelo back with us here. Uh, we're going to get into our best bet segment here in just a few moments. But uh, one of I don't the, have to give a best bet, do I? You <laughs> don't. You, you oh, don't. Thank God. I mean, now, I thank would God. love to have you involved in our <laughs> weekly best bets. Oh, God. No, uh, no, but, really but, but, but the boss, Jay, said, you know, I, I think as sportsbook directors, we shouldn't be giving out our best bets, even though it's for entertainment purposes only. But He's right about yeah. that. If you yeah. do that, all you do is open yourself up to criticism. Right. That's why it's there's like, no pressure I, here for like you, uh, I, you guys. I said, hey, I like uh, the Steelers, and then the Browns covered last night. Yeah. It's like, oh, nice pick. This guy, he's doing it on purpose. <laughs> You know, he's telling everybody to bet the Steelers to make money for the sportsbook. I wish that I knew I knew how to pick the losers, because yeah. that would mean, therefore, that I could pick the winners, yeah. well, which I can't do. Yeah. So of course, it's not it's not that simple, guys. Yeah. I, I can't tell you who not to bet or who to bet. It's tough. It's very tough, especially in the NFL. You know that, yeah. Marco. Yeah. NFL is so hard. It, it is. All right. So as we know, uh, Aces win the championship. Mm-hmm. I know. Uh, you guys were taking a lot of action. Give me some thoughts. Uh, how, how, was that, how was the handle for you guys with the WNBA? Well, you're not going to like this, but the handle was so good in the finals that I was secretly rooting against the Aces in game four <laughs> because I wanted a game five. That would have been on Tuesday night. I think the book would have been packed. You know, yeah. I was really disappointed that they had game one and game four on a Sunday afternoon up against the NFL. And Thursday night football as well, too. And yeah, for, that's right. I forgot yeah, about that. For game two. Game yeah. five was going to be on a Tuesday. It, it would have been so good for business. Yeah. Of course, I'm very happy the Aces won. Yeah. But in the back of my mind, I was like, wow, that would be a big haul for the book if we had a game five here. Great business. We did player props for the first time. It was awesome. I could tell you that nobody in the organization wanted to have a game five. They wanted to <laughs> well, close no. it out at Becky Hammond's end, but for a couple reasons. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but game five, their most important game of the season, would not have been on their home floor. It would have no, been at the have. MGM Grand. Oh, because really? Mandalay Bay has been going through this, this uh, like, ten straight days of concerts there and major conventions. Oh. and that, So every game this year – has been there, but game five of the finals would have had to have been at the MGM Grand. And they were going through, so I got a chance to see it firsthand. They're back in Connecticut, and they're going, and they're trying to, you know, line up everything just in case, and this and that, blah, blah, Then there's like, oh, then again, we got to get the parade together, because the original date for the parade was supposed to be Thursday, which would have been yesterday. But they had to, you know, to get it done quickly, because you had Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, Jackie Young, and, uh, and Chelsea Gray going to the World Championships that are in mm. Australia. So... We had the parade on Tuesday night. Wednesday, that next morning, they're on a flight to Australia, and they missed their first game. Luckily, the United States won. Uh, Brianna Stewart led the way with 22 points, and, and they won. But now Asia, Asia Chelsea, the K- KP, they will now be uh, playing their first game Wednesday at the World Championship. So that is the life, which a lot of people don't understand, uh, the life of a WNBA player, that you're playing year-round. They're playing for – Big contracts overseas, yeah. specifically in Russia and Italy yeah. and Turkey and those places. And then this is the year that you have the World Basketball Championships. So they have to play all year. They're like soccer players. Oh, it's amazing. Well, yeah, soccer amazing. guys, they never stop playing. Yeah. yeah. It's got to be pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, great, great, great time, great season. I'm glad that you guys, you know, yeah, you, and you yeah. are seeing an increase in WNBA betting, aren't you, over we last definitely, years? Definitely. It's always been a very sharp market. Yeah. Sharp people betting WNBA totals. That's mm -hmm. gone on as long as I've been in the industry. Yeah. But the, the aces, the success of the aces was bringing the general public to the betting window, mm -hmm. and it was great to see it. All right, John Murray joins us. John, talk a little bit about some college football action. Uh, significant line moves, a Everybody, lot of action. You everyone got keeps asking me about this USC Oregon State yeah. game. You know, we talked about that off the air. A lot of a lot of sharp money on Oregon State. The public is all going to bet USC. The USC, the way they were betting them last Saturday, it kind of reminded me of those the Trojans teams from like the Sanchez era. <laughs> yeah. Now I, I can't go all the way back to the Leinart era. That was before I got out here. But yeah. like the Mark Sanchez, the end of the Pete Carroll run, yeah. everyone bet USC every week. That's how they bet them last week. That's how I think they're going to bet them tomorrow. Yeah. I know we're going to need Oregon State really big, but there's a lot of sharp money on Oregon State. Yeah. The line's got all the way down to five and a half. Right. And it opened like 12, 13. We opened it more like six, six and a half here yeah. at the Superbook. Marco, what's your thoughts on this game here? And small sample size. That's what I always try to warn people here. And I understand, you know, SC comes in as the, as the flavor of the year, basically, you know, with Lincoln Riley and then the transfer portal going crazy and everything. What is your take on, on SC after the first two games and specifically this game up in Corvallis? Well, it's actually one of my best bets. Okay, then save it. Good. Okay. And I'm sorry that uh, I did not uh, look at that ahead of time. I don't read your emails, as you can tell. I can tell. No. <laughs> I feel a little busy. That's, all. That's, not my, that's my excuse. Okay, talk a little bit about SC. They've had an easy go of it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, last week, uh, you know, I'll admit last week I tried Fresno State against because I thought that offense mm -hmm. would be able to have some success against USC problem is they fell behind so early that they had to become one-dimensional in that game and it was a problem it just became a you know a track meet in Fresno State was run out of the building Oregon State can run the football uh, that's where it's going to start they got a power running game but they can throw the football as well and when that running game is going we talk about it all the time you give me an average quarterback he's going to look like a great quarterback when you got the running game going and I just don't think USC has been tested yet this will be a big uh, big test for them and you know I was surprised I do a show, uh, John, with somebody you know very well, uh, Kelly Stewart, and we talked about Familiar. that game. You know, talked about that game, and, you know, it was interesting for me when we did the show. It was sitting at six and a half, and I said, you know, I'm surprised that it's on the south side of the touchdown, you know, because you know where the market's going to be. John Q. Public on Saturday morning is not going to bet Oregon State. They're going to bet USC. You know, why not hang this game at seven? You know, and let the market dictate it from there, the fact that it was six and a half. And it wasn't like an hour, two hours after we did the show is when everybody started, that line started dropping, and it's down to five and a half. The sharp money, you know, usually the, the sharps, it's a race to the window to get the number when it's a dog. But you also want to wait till you can get the public involved and maybe get that seven. But you know how it is. Then it becomes a boxing match. You, you hang a seven. The sharps come and grab it. It's back to six and a half, and then the public takes it back and forth. But we've seen a lot of money on Oregon State, obviously. That seems like the kind of game Kelly would be on. The kind of side. <laughs> Kelly, that's a Kelly like. Wait, you mean Kelly would be on State. a K State game? No, you're talking I about? know. I'm sure she's on K. I'm sure she's on K State tomorrow because they're what, like almost two touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But I, I feel like I need, she'd be I need on to talk to Kelly during my best bet segment during yeah. uh, uh, about that. Kelly game, went so. on a rant this week on K. Boy, did she, what a what, shock. she liked them up for K last State? week's game. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait till she sees the Kansas K State line. Because <laughs> yeah. as long as Kansas has that coach, oh, right? That guy is unbelievable. <laughs> so I don't think he's going to be there for very long. But I don't think she's going to like that line too much. I was on Fresno myself last Saturday. I appreciate when I lose bets like that. Yeah. I, I could just, I just saw I lost. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to, I don't have to sit here all night. I can just go to bed. Especially when it's um, a late yeah. game. You know, right. You know, I just went to bed. Nothing worse than so. Yeah. You know. I, I, I had to, to Sunday. Yeah. I had to be here early. early the next day. The next day was NFL Sunday, and I was like, good. They just, I lost. I, I was wrong. <laughs> I'm going to sleep. I, I'd rather do that than sit there all night and watch the game. Speaking of uh, NFL on Sunday, what about some line moves that you're seeing here? The Jacksonville game is the big one. Obviously, Herbert didn't practice today. You know, we're still we're still watching that very closely. I still think he's going to give it a go on Sunday. But the money just came pouring in on Jacksonville when that news broke. Chase Daniel is the Chargers' backup quarterback. He would start if uh, if Herbert can't go. So we got to keep a close eye on that one. Uh, sharp money came in last night on Seattle, which was interesting. Uh, I never know what to make of Atlanta. Like, every year, I don't know what to do with Atlanta. Uh, they came all the way back last week. They almost won, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. And, again, it was the Rams went into a shell uh, pre-event. <laughs> and, and let, you know, we saw how many comebacks last week in the NFL. I was involved in the three biggest ones. Fortunately for me, I was on the right side of two of the three. But the, the Baltimore uh, meltdown, I'm still a little bitter about mm-hmm. with the, the Dolphins. I've never yeah, seen you, a, you and I both. <laughs> I've never seen a Sunday like that. Uh-huh. I've never. I've worked a lot of Sundays in the book. I mean, Baltimore blowing that lead. Raiders. The Raiders. That, that, that we won a lot of money on that Arizona game. That was great for us. And then I had the Jets. It, it was a <laughs> oh, the Jets. I, I had the Jets. I took six and a half in a contest mm-hmm. with the Jets, and we needed the Jets. Mm-hmm. And they missed that extra point. Cleveland did. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, we could actually win by the hook. Yeah. I didn't think they were going to win the game outright. Mm-hmm. That was a crazy game, too. It was a really weird Sunday. Good All for right. us. Let's get ready for week number three in the NFL college football as well. It is time for our best bets. It's football Friday and time for the weekend's action. Here's the best bets. And it is our best bet segment. We give you our three best college plays, our three best NFL plays. Marco D'Angelo in the house and Trevor Maddich by way of telephone. Getting ready to go to the ESPN studios because Trevor will be involved in the ESPN Radiothon tomorrow uh, on, on the radio side. Trevor, what's going on, brother? TC, it's going great. Tomorrow's going to be uh, one of our marathons. We'll be on from noon to 7 Eastern. So a seven-hour show watching all the games and keeping everybody up to date. How many television monitors do you have in front of your grill when you're doing that? More than I can watch. We have about a dozen (laughs) of them in there. Uh, You can't watch them all, you know. So I'll usually pick, like, the top four games and then keep half an eyeball on something else interesting. All right, brother, here we go. You kick us off today. Three best on the college side for tomorrow. Trevor Maddich, who you got? Okay. Wisconsin's getting 19 points at Ohio State. Not enough points. I think Ohio State covers that number. A couple of reasons. One is that while, Ohio, while Wisconsin's defense is one of the best coached in the country, this is the best offense in the country. And Ohio State is balanced on offense and defense. Or excuse me, on the, on the running game. We'll get to defense in a minute. They're balanced on the running game and the passing game. And even with Jackson Smith and Jigba, their best receiver, being limited, 
so far this season with injury. Marvin Harrison Jr. and others have stepped up and are really developing chemistry with quarterback C.J. Stroud. And Smith and Jigba should be coming back and rounding into form for this game. And so I, I just see this as a game that Ohio State's offense can overmatch that Wisconsin defense over the course of the entire game. I think in the second half, they'll just start to go nuts. And the other side of the ball, Ohio State's defense is a lot better than Wisconsin's offense right now. Wisconsin just doesn't throw the ball well. And their running attack isn't as dominant as we normally expect it to be. And so I don't know how much Wisconsin can score. I will go with Ohio State to pull away in the second half and cover that 19. Then Clemson's laying seven at Wake Forest. And I like the Tigers here. There's been a lot of of grief that Clemson has been given because of the the nature of their offense and the struggles of the quarterback position. But in watching D.J. Oyungalele, he is the quarterback for Clemson. He's following a familiar pattern. When he's got time to throw, he can drop dimes. When he's got a muddy pocket and got some pressure, his production has dropped off a lot more than it should. I don't think that Wake Forest can get to him enough. And I think he'll have a big game. Even with Sam Hartman back at quarterback for Wake Forest, I think Clemson's defense, especially with their pass rush, will be able to hold Wake Forest down. And I think Clemson will be able to cover that seven without too much trouble. And then... Boise State's playing at Texas El Paso at UTEP. I know you guys are all fired up to watch that game, but you know, you'll need something to peel your eyeballs open because it's going to be a slow-moving game with two pretty good defenses and two pretty pedestrian offenses. So I've got under 44.5 on that one. Boise State should be able to shut down UTEP almost completely. And Boise State's offense is okay, but, but UTEP's defense is pretty good. And given that both teams will slow it down, I expect, I think the under 44.5 makes sense because Boise will have to cover almost all of that. What happened to those Broncos? That's what I want to know. What happened to those Boise State Broncos? We're not used to this mediocrity over there. Yeah, that's okay. They'll be playing at their very best historically when they face BYU later in the season, so <laughs> count on that. Trevor's alma mater. There you go. Okay, Trevor Maddich's three college plays of the day. Marco D'Angelo? The red-hot one, what do you got? Going to start it off with Florida at Tennessee. Florida almost got caught looking ahead. They were in a sandwich spot last week, coming off Kentucky the week before and having Tennessee on deck this week. Tennessee's been very fortunate. They played two MAC schools that everybody has been absolutely pounding this year, and they caught Pittsburgh. The week after the backyard brawl, Pittsburgh also lost their starting quarterback in that game, and the backup was limping around uh, the end of the game. They had no other option. So Tennessee, not as good as they look, grabbed the points with Florida. Second one for me, Oregon State. We talked about it. I think Oregon State's going to be able to run the football against USC. Teams have had to abandon the run against USC because they fell so far behind. Why have they fallen behind? Well, yes, the USC offense is good, but through the first three games, USC is plus 10 on the turnovers, uh, 10 nothing on the turnovers. That is what's helped USC look much better than they are. I'm taking Oregon State as a home dog to pull an upset. I've got them 34-31. This should be a fun game to watch. And the last one for me, uh, yes, uh, Kelly approves this uh, play. Actually, I think I talked her into it on the show. I am taking Kansas State. They definitely got caught looking ahead last week. They were coming off the blowout win over Missouri the week before and had Oklahoma on deck. 
Oklahoma, if you watched the Nebraska game last week, they enjoyed that beatdown of Nebraska too much. They were, uh, you know, yucking it up on the sidelines, everybody having a good time. And let's face it, the Nebraska program is in shambles right now. Uh, Oklahoma gets tested. Kansas State uh, has had their number the last couple of years. I'm taking the points. I think this one's going to be a one-score game. All right. So. Uh, I am going to be on opposite sides of both of you guys, but I will start with one that I'm not. SMU and TCU. I'm taking the ponies plus two and a half on this one. Tickets are sold out for this game. And you guys, if you remember, Sonny Dykes left SMU to go coach at TCU and didn't tell anyone. Didn't tell his players, didn't tell administration, and people are pretty ticked off. They could hardly wait for TCU to come rolling into town. Fans are fired up. It's already a rivalry to begin with, but now it's hatred. SMU is off a very, uh, uh, has a very strong offense, and they've got a quarterback in Tanner Mordecai that isn't bad. He's third in the nation in passing. He already has 1,000 yards and 10 touchdown passes already. When you look at TCU, this, believe it or not, is a rebuilding team right now. And last year, SMU beat TCU at TCU. They weren't the only ones to beat him and beat him bad. Oklahoma spanked him 52-31 to last year. Oak State beat him 63-17. And those were home games at TCU last year in Fort Worth. They also lost to Iowa State 48-14. K-State drilled him 31-12. And I said, I go back where SMU handled TCU rather handily last year. They rolled up 595 yards in that game. 350 of it was on the ground. Welcome back, Sonny Dykes. You're going to get an L, and I'm taking the Ponies, at a, and they're the, the wrong team is favored, in my opinion, in this game. I will take SMU plus 2.5. I just think that people are thinking this is the TCU team, those teams of Gary Patterson back in the day. But you go back to last year, uh, they were horrible. And uh, there you go. Go back home, Sonny Dykes, uh, with an L. <laughs> then I'm actually going to go against my man Trevor Maddich here. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, Marco. I don't know. Uh, I'm taking... The Demon Deacons at plus 7.5 against Clemson. Sam Hartman is a solid quarterback. He's a fifth-year junior. He has experience. He's thrown for nearly 10,000 yards in his career at Wake. Clemson, as we know, they can struggle against the pass, and we've already seen that against two lower echelon teams earlier this year. Wake will be fired up. They have lost to Clemson 13 straight times, but each year they seem to be getting a little bit closer I think this year could be the year where they win the game outright, but I will gladly take the 7.5 points with the Demon Deeks at home. And then I'm actually going to go Boomer Sooner in this game. I'm going to lay the 12 with Oklahoma against K-State. The story for me in this game is the quarterback situation. Dylan Gabriel came over from UCF. This guy's dynamite. And Adrian Martinez, we know how, how much we go against Adrian Martinez, or we did when he was at Nebraska. OU has rolled thus far, and really it wasn't against complete cupcakes either. Marco, I know you talked about Nebraska, but still, it, the game was at Nebraska. It was a rivalry, but they crushed them 48-14. to K-State, they lost at home to Tulane last week. Sure, you can go with the look-ahead game if you want, 17-10. to But here's the problem with K-State. They can't score. They can't move the ball consistently. And now you've got a new quarterback which is who is a less-than-mediocre quarterback to begin with. Nah, I don't like this K-State team at all. I think Oak State, or rather I, uh, that Oklahoma actually wins by at least two touchdowns in this one. So that's who I'm going with. NFL side, Trevor Maddich, who you got? Okay, uh, I will start with Kansas City 
laying 5.5 at the Colts. I like the Chiefs in this one. The Colts are a massive mess. I mean massive. There's just nothing positive to, to look for the last couple of games that they can build from. Matt Ryan has struggled at quarterback. Part of that's because he doesn't really have anybody to throw to right now, although Pittman might be back. We'll see what happens with all that. But the thing about Ryan is that he was supposed to elevate this offense, and he hasn't been able to do it. The Colts' defense is pretty talented, but they've been thrown on the first two games. Trevor Lawrence of the Jaguars and David Mills, of all people, of the Texans, were able to throw on this Colts' secondary. I think that... Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are, will just go off. And I think that when the – and they're at the Colts. And so when they start to go off, I think the crowd will get out of it. And then when they continue to go off, the crowd will start to boo. It will be an incredibly negative atmosphere in that building for the Colts. And I think that the Chiefs will roll. Then the Ravens are at the Patriots laying three. And I like Baltimore in this one. And really it's more about the Patriots than it is Baltimore because the Patriots – don't really they're not dynamic on offense defensively statistically they've been fine but they played the Steelers to, to open the season and that uh, that's not a uh, confidence builder when your defense does well against this particular Steelers team the, the Ravens I think this is only minus three because of what happened in the fourth quarter against the Dolphins last week they were up 35-14 the Ravens were when in the fourth quarter Tua went off and started ripping the ball down the field. Tyreek Hill had two long touchdown catches, and Miami came back and beat them. And I, the Patriots just don't have anybody like that in the wide receiver core. I don't think they can threaten the Ravens like Miami could. And I think that because of all that, I think this number's probably a little bit lower than it ought to be. I like the Ravens laying three at New England. And then Green Bay is going to Tampa, and they're getting one. This is my big underdog play. Woo-hoo. They're getting one point, right, against Tampa Bay. So I've got – and I've, I've also seen it picking, but I locked it in at plus one, so I'll take the point. Um, the, the, the Buccaneers are a mess as well right now. I mean, they're undefeated, but their offensive line is, is a wreck. They've, you know, got a um, backup center. They've got a rookie guard. Their starting left tackle uh, has got an elbow issue. The backup last week got hurt. Now the starter at left tackle is listed as doubtful for this game. And so it's, it's, the offensive line's a wreck. Brady has gone public to rip up his own offensive line, which is not necessarily a good look. The receiving core of uh, this team is, you know, it's, it's, it's also a wreck because of injuries and suspension and stuff like that. The defense of Tampa, which is their strength, has shown some vulnerability against the run, and that's bad against the Green Bay team that rushed for almost 200 yards last week against the Bears. And really, ultimately, I think this will be a tough, low-scoring game. But I think the most important plays, not necessarily the big plays, but the most important plays to extend drives will be made by the legs of the quarterback. Now, when I say that, you know I'm not talking about Tom Brady. You know I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers. And I think ultimately in a low-scoring tight game where both sides are going to be relying on the run, well, you've got a quarterback that can extend a drive or two and another one that can't by scrambling out of there. I think that's where your edge is. So I like Green Bay plus one. All right. Marco D'Angelo. I'm going to start it off with a home underdog. And this is Trevor. Actually, an underdog has got more than one point here. (laughs) Baby steps Trevor on those dogs. I've got got Miami. And there isn't a team that looks better after the first two weeks than the Buffalo Bills. But, guys, you know, they played teams that, you know, we saw the Rams come back, not look good in week two. 
We saw them last week against Tennessee. This is the same Tennessee team that got beat by the Giants. Miami, going back to last year, 10-1, their last 11 games. Remember that. They finished the season 8-1 last year. I'm taking Miami at home plus the points. Uh, upset, 30-27. Next one I'm going, Cincinnati. I'm laying the points on the road against the Jets. Last week I was on the Jets. The whole reason I was on the Jets is the Jets were catching Cleveland in a sandwich spot. That was the sandwich of all sandwiches. The Baker Bowl in week one in the Steelers on Thursday night football. They are going to be focused, Cincinnati. They're desperate at 0-2. They're not going to take the Jets for granted. Cincinnati rolls. I don't see Joe Flacco surviving, trying to trade points with Burrow. You can't throw 104 times in two weeks with Joe Flacco and win. And the last one, this is going to be a tough one. You're not going to like it, Trevor. I'm going against you. <laughs> I am taking the Indianapolis Colts. Yes, everybody uh, will love the Kansas City Chiefs in this spot. This is the home opener for Indianapolis. It is basically the season for Indianapolis and maybe the season for Frank Wright. He starts 0-3. That seat's going to, the heat's going to go way up on his seat. I like Indianapolis plus the points here. Kansas City's played two teams. Uh, Arizona's got a lot of flaws. And then last week, the Chargers made it look closer than it was, but that was a big divisional game on Thursday night. I like the Colts. This could be the last time I bet the Colts this season, though, if they <laughs> right. lose here. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers here, uh, getting two and a half against the Saints. Carolina very easily could be 2-0. and The close heartbreaking losses to Cleveland in week one, 26-24, or, and then the Giants 29-16 last week. Uh, this is their week. Uh, they had, you know, like I said, New Orleans had that miraculous opening day win against uh, Atlanta winning 27-26, coming from behind. And then they lost to Tampa Bay and really didn't look that good in doing it. Baker Mayfield is better than Jameis Winston. That's my handicap here. Winston has been pressured in the first two games and really hasn't looked that comfortable. Uh, last year, Carolina won going away in this contest at Carolina 26-7. Winston was 11-for-22 in that game with two picks. Carolina D will be the difference in this game. Carolina is desperate for a win. And uh, I am going to go with the Panthers in this one. Trevor, I'm with you, brother, all the way. This is my best bet of the, the whole week is the Green Bay Packers. People were quick to jump off the Packer bandwagon, you know, two weeks ago after opening day. Uh, what they do? They came back to crush the Chicago Bears, which we had last week. Uh, we've seen this before, haven't we? We've seen Green Bay lose to Tampa Bay two years ago. We remember that, right, where they were embarrassed in Tampa. Then they lost the NFC Championship game last year in Green Bay. Double revenge game for the Packers. I know a lot of people may not put much into revenge in the NFL, but there's one guy who does. That's Aaron Rodgers. You know, he doesn't like to lose, and he doesn't want to lose to Tom Brady for a third time in a row. Green Bay's going to go into Tampa. They are going to win this game. It's Green Bay's game on Sunday. And then finally, this one looks to the naked eye, an easy one here, and sometimes maybe you shouldn't overthink it. I'm doing that with the Rams, laying three and a half against the Arizona Cardinals. We talked about how the Cardinals were, looked horrendous, not only in the first half last week against the Raiders, but they looked horrendous in opening day as well, too. This will be the fourth meeting between these two teams in the past 12 months. Rams really have dominated winning 10 of 11. I know Arizona won at L.A. last year, but that, okay, that was the last time they faced off. But earlier in the season, uh, the Rams won into Arizona going away. 
Arizona's coming off that miraculous win last week against the Raiders. Arizona really hasn't looked good in either game thus far uh, this season. Rams played two close games. This one shouldn't be close. I'm taking the Rams in this one. Those are our best bets. They will be up on the website in a little bit at tcmartinshow.com. John Murray joins us, the executive director of Race and Sports here at the Westgate. John, a couple questions here for you. I mentioned it seems like an obvious play when you've got the defending champs and the Rams against an Arizona Cardinal team coming off that big emotional win, but they haven't looked good, I would say, probably for basically six of the eight quarters they played thus far. And then Kansas City game, it looks like a pretty obvious play as well, too. Thoughts on both of those uh, you games? You know, I could say the Rams haven't looked good for most of the season either. Yep. They got thoroughly outplayed by Buffalo. They were lucky to be tied at halftime in that game. And then they they went into a shell last week, nearly blew a 28-3 lead to the Falcons, which is kind of ironic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they really, other than the start of that Atlanta game, they haven't looked good either. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we really know what to make of the Rams right now. I don't really like the Cardinals. I'm not a big Kingsbury guy. I, I don't think much of that team myself, so I probably would lean to your side. I just I don't know how good the Rams are right now. Mm-hmm. All right. Any uh, quick take on the Raiders and Titans, both teams 0-2. Somebody's O's got to go, or maybe not if it's Titans, a tie. Titans don't have anybody to throw the football to. You yeah. know, Everybody's talking about Derrick Henry this and that. Well, he, it's hard to get him going when they, there's no threat of a passing game. Uh, I, I don't know what to make of the Titans. Raiders have to have this game. Because they're going to fall too far behind in that division. That division is so good. They've got to win this game. I don't know how they managed to lose their game last Sunday. They've got to pick themselves up off the mat and and take care of business in Nashville. they got to win this one. John, appreciate the time here today, man. Uh, we're going to have you here on a regular basis. You, Jay Cornegay, love you guys. Uh, so glad to be doing the show here. And uh, just can't thank you enough. Thanks for having me on, guys. It was fun. Yep, no doubt about it. John Murray, Executive Director of the Race and Sports here at the Westgate. Come on out. Check out the Westgate. they got great uh, shows here. They've got concerts. They've got the cabaret shows, great eating spots, of course, and, of course, the world-famous Superbook. No better place to be. Non-smoking book as well, too, which I can surely appreciate. Marco and I, we love that. And uh, definitely going to be hanging out here over the weekend. So come on by. And, of course, you can see the show live 2 to 4 p.m. here each and every Friday. And uh, appreciate everyone here at the Westgate. Marco, keep hot, brother, and we'll uh, see you here next week. Thanks, TC. Love doing the show every week. You got it, brother. All right, for everybody, Numbchuck back in the studio uh, and everybody else. Appreciate Showtime Sean Porter for joining us today. Trevor Maddich, thank you, my man. Appreciate you, as always, too, for always being there for us. And then, of course, John Murray joined us today and Marco D'Angelo. TC Martin saying so long you miss any part of the show, go to the website. Go check out our Aces coverage still up there with our picture gallery. And, of course, our interview with Trevor uh, from yesterday's up there, little college football takes and everything up there on the website at tcmartinshow.com. Enjoy the games. We're back at it Monday at 2 p.m.